Hello, hello. Let's give it a few seconds to get some people online. see we got some people hopping online so we'll go ahead and get started good evening to each and every one of you and we thank you for joining us for our Wednesday night Bible study <clears throat> midweek Bible study and uh, we are just so, so thankful and grateful to have each and every one of you uh, viewing with us tonight and also those that will view um, again there's nothing like the study of God's Word uh, there's nothing more important than God's Word. The Bible tells us that uh, His Word is a light unto our, uh, lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And His Word is what we live by. Amen. And there's nothing more than studying this Word. I enjoy studying His Word. I love to study His Word. Uh, his Word is alive and quick and it is constantly revealing uh, His truth unto us. Amen. And so anyway, before we get into the um, Bible study tonight, again, we just thank each and every one of you for joining with us, those of you that are hopping on. Uh, remember, again, our country, uh, I know that I've said it for the previous weeks, but it again, it should be a daily matter, really an hour-by-hour hour matter, if you want to know the truth about it. But that wisdom and um, knowledge and understanding uh, direction would be given to our president, to our leaders uh, to our governors, our senators, to all of those and officials. Uh, we don't look to them, of course. We don't place our faith in them. But at this, our faith is in Christ and what he has done. But we know that they need help and they need leading and they need guidance. And so we are to lift them up as the Bible instructs us and teaches us to do so, to pray for those that are in authority over us. And so let's just lift them up. Um, I know that there are some states that are opening up, and unfortunately, North Carolina yet has failed to do so. But we're just believing and trusting the Lord for him to have his way and uh, for the Lord to do what only he can do. Amen. He's the only one that can fix any problem for us and for this country, and we've got to turn to him and look to him. So I know that there are many needs that are out there upon the hearts of the people. Uh, we all have needs. There's not a one of us that doesn't have a need whether it be emotional, whether it be physical, uh, whether it be mental, whether it be financial, whether it be spiritual, whatever it is, we all have needs. But I'm so thankful that Jesus Christ has told us to come unto him and uh, because his burden is easy. Amen. And his yoke is easy and burden is light. And I'm just so, so thankful that we can give it to him. He told us to cast all of our cares upon him for he cares for us. And uh, there's no one that will care for you like the Lord Jesus. Amen. Uh, I can't imagine anybody else caring for me more than my wife, my mom, my family members. I've, the Lord has blessed me tremendously so. But there's not one of them that will care for me ever like Jesus. And it's the same that goes for you. Amen. And I'm so thankful that he watches over us, that he's constantly looking out for us, that he is always working on our behalf. So before we get into the study tonight, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you tonight in the name of your Son, Jesus. And Lord, we are so thankful, God, that we can come to you, Lord. We're so thankful for the privilege, Lord, that we have to call you Father. Lord, to know that we were once estranged, to know that, well, Lord, we were 
once a wild branch, Lord, that we were once, Lord, cast off, God, and out in darkness. But, Lord, you grafted us into the vine. Lord, you've called us out of darkness and into marvelous light, Lord. And, God, now you have given us the wonderful privilege, Lord, and the tremendous benefit to call you Father, Lord. Now, we are so thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ that has been shed, Lord, on the cross to not only purchase our redemption, our salvation, Lord, but to purchase everything, Lord, that we need from you, God. And, Lord, I'm so thankful that we can come to you, Lord, 24 hours, seven days a week, Lord. Yours shop is never closed, amen, Lord. You are you never are closed, Lord, and we can come to you with whatever the need is. And, Lord, first and foremost, we lift up our family before you, Lord. We lift up our loved ones, God. Lord, we know that we're living in the last days, and our hearts cries for you to come back soon, Lord, to come and get your, your church. Lord, so that we can go home to be with you. And Lord, we know that soon enough, Lord God, sooner than later, Lord, you are going to come for us, Lord. And God, we know that day is vast approaching, but God, there is a harvest, Lord, of souls that are to be one, Lord. And God, you are depending upon us to proclaim the greatest story that could ever be proclaimed, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, Lord, to proclaim that Jesus saves, to proclaim that Jesus heals, to proclaim that Jesus fills and, and delivers, Lord. We are to proclaim that good news, Lord. And God, you're depending upon us, Lord. And, and I'm so thankful, Lord, that you said if we'll open our mouth, you will fill it, God. So, Lord, I pray, Lord, that that great commission would always, Lord God, be at the front of our heart, Lord, to go out and to tell others about you, Lord. And God, we pray, Lord, that you just draw in our family that is lost and undone, those that are near and dear to our heart, Lord. I pray you draw them by the convicting power of your Holy Spirit unto you, Lord, and that, God, they would repent and receive the glorious gift of salvation. Lord, we know that there are many needs, Lord, that are upon the hearts of your people. God, I know that I have them. Those that are watching, those that will watch, God, they have needs in their heart and in their life. But God, you have already met every one of them. Lord, with your precious blood that was poured out, you paid the price for them. And God, we ask, Lord, that you would meet those needs, Lord, whether it be emotional, whether it be mental, spiritual, or physical, or financial, God, whatever it is, Lord, you are the solution to the problem. Lord, we lift up our country. We lift up our government leaders. Lord, we lift up our president to you. And God, we're just asking that you would continue to move. Lord, we know that no one else can fix this problem for us. And Lord, it is only you. And God, we're asking, Lord, that you would heal all of those that are infected with any sicknesses, Lord, not only coronavirus, Lord, but whatever the disease and sickness is, Lord, we ask that you would heal them in Jesus' name and that, Lord, you would lift this infection, Lord, off of our country and that, God, we would return, Lord God, to to who we are, Lord, and what we were been founded upon, Lord, and, and that is you, Lord. God, we just ask that your help would come to us tonight. Anoint us, Lord, to teach your word tonight. Help us to rightly divide it as we are leaning upon you, Lord God, to help us to do the work that you've called us to do, Lord, and we'll forever give you praise for it all. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So we dealt with the sin nature last week. Uh, the first time, uh, and it will be a topic, uh, rather a, a study that we will do uh, for several weeks. Because again, as I said last week, the sin nature is a terminology, a phraseology, if you will, that is lost on much of the church. Now, what do I mean by that? Because I know that until in the last several years, um, I never knew what the sin nature was. 
all I knew about sin was what acts of sin were. That sin was bad. That sin, if not repented of, would cause one to die and go to hell, which is all true. But the sin nature is what is within inside of us, that nature that we are born with, that nature that we all struggle with, that nature that bends us to do that which is opposite and contrary to God's word. Uh, but before I get into that, again, many have wondered and may have asked why the book of Romans was chosen to start out our weekly Bible study on Wednesdays. And I can tell you, for one, because I saw the Lord and I felt that he would have me to deal with, number one, justification by faith, which we spent four weeks uh, in teaching. and uh, But then also going on into sanctification and dealing with the sin nature, which is my problem, which is your problem. And then this, my problem is sin. Your problem is sin. The problem of every individual in the entirety of the world is sin. And there's only one solution for that problem, and his name is Jesus. But I also wanted to deal with the sin nature because they are the sin nature dealing with sanctification by faith and justification by faith are the two greatest doctrines, I believe, of the entirety of the Bible. Okay, now justification is uh, Jesus fighting for us. He fought for us. But sanctification is him fighting in us. When you got saved, when you gave your heart to Jesus Christ, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. He fought for you and, you, and, and he won you over. You accepted him and now you belong to him. But there's still a never-ending war, if you will, that takes place between the flesh and the spirit. And it is always vying for control. Uh, both of them are vying for control. And unless we understand sanctification and unless we understand how the Lord works and operates in our life, then we will find that there's always going to be a struggle there. And we will find, unfortunately, the sin nature ruling and reigning even in the life of a believer. Now, should this be? Absolutely not. But with many believers, and I'm talking about those that love the Lord with everything within them. I'm not talking about those that just claim the name of Jesus, but doesn't uh, know him, that is not in a relationship with him, uh, that doesn't desire to seek his face. But I'm talking about those that truly love him with all of their heart. These individuals still have the sin nature as all of us do, and many of them struggle with that nature, okay? So and let me just say that, the, again, the greatest doctrine of the Bible is justification by faith. Again, I know that healing is important. I know that miracles are important. I know that deliverances are important, and all of those things he is still doing today, amen? They are still important, and they should be talked about. They should be preached about. They, they should be sought after. But the greatest thing in the Bible is how that a man who is wicked, a man that is sin-laden, a man that is lost and on their way to hell is saved and redeemed by a man, not just any man, but the man Christ Jesus, the Son of the living God. Let me tell you, that is greater than any healing that a person can receive in the physical. That is greater than any prayer that could ever be answered that is petitioned unto God. The greatest thing that could ever be to a man and ever be in life is a man that is wicked, sin-laden, and on their way to hell, but yet saved by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. The greatest miracle of salvation was accomplished, again, by the shedding of Christ's blood for you, for me, and for the entirety of the world. And nothing is more important than that.
Nothing is greater than that. Because when we understand what Christ has done for us, not only in the purchase of our salvation, but in redemption, we realize that he won back everything that was lost. <clears throat> Do you hear me tonight? Everything that was lost in the Garden of Eden with Adam when he disobeyed God, everything that was lost, the second Adam, the last Adam, won back with his precious blood. And I'm so thankful tonight that I don't have to run to a priest. I don't have to run to a rabbi. I don't have to run to anyone else, a therapist or counselor, no one else to receive what it is that I need. Everything that I need is found in Jesus. And he has simply told us to come unto him and I will give you rest. He said, come unto me and I will give you rest. What do you mean? Not just for salvation, but rest for everything. Amen. So again, there was much that was accomplished at Calvary for you and for me. And again, there is not enough hours in the day to speak of it. In fact, everything that we have today, again, is because of the blood, the blood of Jesus Christ. So Romans, the book of Romans is probably, uh, it was probably Paul's uh, crowning jewel, if you will. I consider it the crowning jewel of Paul's epistles that he wrote because he goes into great detail of how salvation come about and also now how we are to conduct our lives now that we are in Christ. Again, we've said it before, Romans 1, 2, and 3 tells us how wicked man really is. Chapters 4 and 5 laid out the redemption plan and tells us that it is by grace through faith. It is by simply believing and trusting in Christ and what he has done at Calvary's cross that one is saved. Amen. And so, but then he goes on to tell us of how we are to live victoriously. But before anyone can live victoriously, before anyone can live victoriously in Christ, there has to be an understanding of what's going on inside of us for that to happen. So the basics, the fundamentals. You will never learn how to live for Christ if you don't first understand the sin nature and the role that it plays in your life before salvation and also the role that it plays in your life after salvation. And this right here is why we're spending time on this because there are so many Christians that do not understand the function and the role of the sin nature. They don't understand it and what it was in them before they got saved and they don't understand what it is and how it works and operates and what it should be doing, which is laying dormant in the life of a believer after they have accepted Jesus Christ. So last week I spoke about the sin nature and how that it was brought about. And again, we see in verse 12, uh, in, in chapter 5, um, verse 12, that uh, as by one man sin entered into the world. Now again, if you study in the Greek, you will see the definite article of the before the word sin. So what he's talking about here is the sin nature. It was the sin nature came into the world. When Adam fell and disobeyed God, that nature of sin didn't exist before <clears throat> his disobedience to God. But the moment that he said, I'm going to do what I think that I can do and what I deem that is right, then he disobeyed God. He fell from total God consciousness down to the low, low level of man consciousness, to self-consciousness. And that is where we see the entrance of the sin nature. And in this state, man desires, hear me, to be his own God and to be in control of his own life. 
The sin nature with inside a man wants to be his own God, wants to be in control and think that they know what it is to do and what, what they believe is to be right. So when Adam fell, the entrance of the sin nature came into him and from him it has been passed on to everyone that lives. The DNA of you and I it can all, if we look at it real um, minutely could all be traced back to Adam and we all share the same DNA when it comes to the sin nature do you hear me all of us share the same DNA when it comes and in regard to the sin nature okay so the sin nature is inside every fallen man because of his disobedience to God's word the nature of disobedience to God's word is in us meaning that before salvation there was no desire to comply with God's way of living there was no desire for us to live according to his statute we desire to do our own thing I don't know about you but before I got saved there was no desire to go God's way there was no desire to live for the Lord. There was no desire for relationship. Before salvation, you were bent to do that which is evil. You had that nature of sin inside of you pulling you to do those things which you found in that time lovely. You desired to do those things because you didn't possess Christ. You had no desire for him whatsoever. You didn't care about your sin. You didn't care about your life. You just wanted to do what you wanted to do. And that is because the nature of sin was inside of you, ruling and reigning inside of you. It was the king, if you will, on the monarch, held the monarch, held the authority over you. That's what made you talk the way you talk. That's what made you walk the way you walk. That's what made you have the lifestyle that you had. That's what made you think the way that you thought, the evilness there, all because of the sin nature which comes from the fall of man. So this is the dilemma, if you will. God cannot have one in his kingdom that doesn't abide and comply with his ways, so through his love, Love and mercy and grace, he came up with a solution. And let me tell you, that solution was by God coming down to earth in the form of man and paying the sin debt that we could not pay. Let me tell you, man's problem is not environmental. Man's problem is not educational. Man's problem is not financial. Man's problem is sin. And sin is a heart problem. That's the problem with man. It's not educational. It's not financial. Uh, racism is not the problem. Listen, all of this stuff, the root of it is sin and it exists within the heart of each and every single man. Mark seven fifteen says, There is nothing from without a man that entereth into him that can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are they which defile the man. You see, what's being said here is that sin is... Is produced from a man because it originates and comes from inside the man and that place is in his heart. The acts of sin that you see come from that sin nature that is reigning inside of the sinner, that is reigning inside of his heart. And let me tell you, as Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. There's nothing that can fix the heart of man except it be completely done away with and him given a new heart.
Do you hear me tonight? The heart of man is wicked and it is deceitful and it has to be changed. It can't just have a band-aid put over it. You have to be given a new heart. That is the whole reason for the rebirth, the regeneration, the born-again experience. You were so wicked and so vile before salvation that you had to die. You had to completely die. And when you die to yourself in the mind of God, you were hung there upon that tree with Christ, baptized into his death. And just as he resurrected in newness of life, you came forth as a new person, but this time not in your own self, but in Christ Jesus. You hear me tonight? You are in Christ Jesus. I am in Jesus. So now that when the Father looks at me, he sees the blood of his son Jesus. And that right there is what makes him happy with me. That right there is what pleases him. That is why he can abide with me. That is why he can hear me. That is why he can commune with me. That is why he can walk with me. Because it's not me that he's walked with. It's the Christ that lives inside of me that he's walking with. That is the most wonderful thing that can be said to be baptized into Christ, to know that my all in all, everything about me is wrapped up in this one man, Jesus Christ. So being told to be the best you can be is not regeneration. There's a lot of, I'm sad to say, preachers, false prophets, motivational speakers that will tell you to be the best that you can be, to discover your worth. And let me tell you, that is not the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, the truth is we are filthy and we are corrupt and defiled upon our own. But God, who is holy and righteous and pure, desires to give us his nature. You see, he wants to do away with that old wicked sin nature and place his nature inside of you. And when you got born again, when you said yes to Jesus Christ, the sin nature that was ruling and reigning held the monarch, was in authority over you, got debunked off of the throne, got kicked off of the throne, his time was up, it was over, his term had ended, and now the new nature came in, the divine nature. Do you hear me? This nature, the divine nature, is the very nature of God that is living inside of you when you now that you have said yes to Jesus Christ. That is why the desires change. It's not because you changed yourself. You can't change yourself. It is because that nature of God that lives lives inside of you that now has changed your desires, has changed the way you talk, has changed the way you walk, has changed everything about you. And why not? Because you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. That old man is dead, it's gone, a new man is resurrected, a man that has been rebirthed, a man that has been regenerated, and one that now possesses the divine nature. Amen. That divine nature is the Holy Spirit that is living inside of you. Let me tell you, he's the spirit of truth that comes to lead and to guide and direct. We've got to have the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, you can't live this life. You can't live this Christian life on your own. You've got to have the aid of the Holy Spirit to come alongside of you. And that's what it says that he is in the Greek, the parakletos, meaning one that will come alongside. Do you hear me? You've got God, the Holy Spirit, that has come alongside of you that says, I'm going to help you. He says, I'm going to help you, Wayne, to walk this life. I'm going to help you, those that are watching, to live for Jesus Christ. I'm 
going to help you. You don't have to do this on your own. In fact, all I want you to do is sit back, take a load off, kick your feet up, and rest in what Christ has done, and let me do the work for you. Do you hear me tonight? You don't have to do anything. All you, he has told us to do is rest. That's what you do, rest. I, I think about it when I go to a vacation or when I go to a family member's house or and especially my mom's house. She said, don't do anything. You just sit down and you rest. Let me tell you, that's what Jesus Christ tells each and every one of us when we come to him. Sit down and rest. You've been weary. You've been trying to do this on your own. You have grown so tired. Oh, you've come home. Sit down and rest now in me. Enjoy what I have done for you. Bask in the benefits of my finished work for you. I'm here now to do all of the work for you that needs to be done. I'm here to clean up that junk that's still there. I'm here to clean up the cobwebs of your heart. I'm here to change you and to conform you into the image of Christ. I don't need your help. I don't need you to do anything. All I need you to simply do is sit down and rest. Keep your faith anchored in Christ and what he has done. That way I can now do what I and only I can do. Do you hear me tonight? That's what the Holy Spirit can do in your life as a believer. But if we don't keep our faith anchored in Christ and what he's done, then he's so constricted. He's still there. Don't get me wrong. He don't leave. He's still there. But he can't do what he desires to do and to the magnitude of what he wants to do. But if you will keep your faith anchored in Christ and what he's done and simply believe that he has paid for it all and that now and now, he can come in and do what he wants to do. And let me tell you something. When your faith is truly anchored in Christ and what he's done, you're going to want to live for him. You're not going to want to live the way that you used to live. Amen. Grace doesn't give us a license to sin. But grace now has, has told us now you can live for me, whereas before you couldn't live for me. Amen. So again, we see that the, the first Adam, the first Adam, because of his sin and disobedience, plagued the entirety of mankind. But again, as I said, the last Adam won back what was lost in the fall. So we see in verse 20, and I want to read verse 20 and 21 of chapter 5, if you're following along in the Bible. The Bible says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. I love that verse. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So we see here the law was given to identify sin. Do you hear me tonight? The law was never given for you or for I or for any man to try and keep, but the law was rather given to identify sin. It was given to identify sin, to show you and I, hey, you can't do this. And what the law, there was no power that was given to us or will ever be given to us to keep the law. Do you hear me tonight? The law was not meant for you to ever keep. It was designed to show you how bad you are. It was to show you and to identify what sin is and then what's supposed to have been done and what should be done is for us to throw ourselves down at the feet of Jesus and say, oh Lord, have mercy upon me. That's what the law was for, for us to throw ourselves down at the mercy of Jesus and say, Lord, I am a lawbreaker. I can't keep the law. I am an offender. I have broken them all. I need you, the one who kept the law in totality, to save me by your precious blood. And he'll do it. 
he'll do it. Amen. There is no power in the law. Again, and no, not one person has God given the power to to keep the law. So when God gave the law, the first thing man thought he could do was to try and keep the law. But as soon as he did, sin grew in the heart. You see, when man tries to keep the law, even after salvation, when man tries to keep the law, sin is going to grow. The sin nature is going to be able, is going to start to reign again in you. But before I go there, this is what it means when it says that sin did abound. When the law was given, when the law was identified, that's when it showed that sin did abound. His sin began to heap up. Sin heaped up and heaped up and heaped up because man was always sinner even before the law was given. But now that the, when the law came, it just simply identified what sin was. So when man tried to keep the law, as all religious men will try to do, it only antagonized the sin nature that is within us. The sin nature that is within us is against God and so when we within ourselves try and keep that which is holy, it goes against the same nature that is within us and says, oh no, you don't. And it takes over and it takes control. You see that same nature there, the law was there. It was there to identify sin. And as you as a believer, as a believer now, if you try to keep the law within your own power, that only antagonizes the sin nature within inside of you and says, oh, here he goes. He's trying to do it within his own power. Now I'm going to come up on the throne and I'm going to stop him and he is sure going to fail. You don't have to try to keep the law. The law has been kept perfectly and totally by Christ Jesus. And when you said yes to Jesus Christ, God now identifies you as a perfect law keeper. He now sees you as one who has kept the law in totality, as one who has never broken the law a day in your life. I know that's hard to imagine. I know that's hard to really reckon in our minds because we know us and we know that we fall so short of the glory of God and we know what we were before salvation. But in the mind of God, as he views us in Christ Jesus, he sees us as perfect. He sees us as holy. He sees us as righteous. And he sees us as one who has never sinned a day in their life. And I'm thankful tonight that he sees me as that way. You see, the sin nature within inside of you before getting saved bent you to do that which is evil. You see that when you look at sinners who don't know the Lord and we see them out here in the world today, that nature, we wonder why are they so evil? Why is it that they do what they do? How is it that this person could have committed such a heinous crime? And it's not just the heinous crimes that we read about in the newspaper or that we hear on TV. It's even the point of just simply telling a lie. How can a person sit and do the things that they do? I will tell you why. It is because of the sin nature. And that nature that was reigning inside of you before you got saved bent you to do that which is evil. It didn't bend you to do that which is good. The sin nature that, was in, that, that, that ruled you and reigned in you before you got saved bent you to do that which was evil contrary to God's word. So you had a proclivity, if you will, to sin. And to pump it out because you were a sinner. But when Jesus Christ, when Jesus Christ saved your soul, he took the power of the sin nature away. And then he came upon the throne and said, now I am king. 
Do you hear me? The sin nature was king. It was an authoritarian position. But now that Jesus Christ has came in, the divine nature has came in, he now is sitting upon the throne. The sin nature is still there, but it's laying dormant. And you know why? Because it's been rendered powerless. Because Bible says that he that the Son has set free is free indeed. Do you hear me tonight? He has set you free at Calvary. You don't have to do anything else to be set free. When you said yes to Jesus Christ, you were set free right then and right there. The problem and the reason why many people are not walking in victory and the problem and the reason why a lot of people are not seeing deliverance in their life is because they don't understand what took place at Calvary. See, at Calvary, you weren't just saved, but the powers of darkness were completely defeated and the sin nature was 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 ruined. It was rendered powerless. It was unplugged, if you will. Think about it as a lamp that is plugged up and when it's plugged up into a power source, the light bulb comes on and it stays on until you pull out that power, that plug. That's the way the sin nature was inside of you and I before we got saved. It was ruling. It was raining. But when you got saved, the plug got up, pulled out. The sin nature had to turn off. You were set free. It was disengaged. The power source was cut off and now you got connected to a new power source. And let me tell you, that power source is not self-will, but that's Holy Ghost power. Do you hear me? That's Holy Ghost power that's living inside of you and I that helps us to be able to live for Jesus Christ. Amen. So the very presence of the law created a desire to do the opposite of what the law demanded. This is called rebellion. And you were determined to set out to do what God said not to do before you got saved. You were in rebellion. You were going to do what you wanted to do. Amen. So as Paul said that where sin did abound, meaning where it increased and was made abundant as it would because the sin nature was determined to do that which was contrary from the law, grace did much more abound. What does that mean? Sin was bad. It was leveling up on you. The charges were against you and you couldn't, to the point to where you couldn't even count it. But where sin did abound, the Bible says grace did much more abound. Do you hear me? Grace super exceeded. It is more abundant. It exceeds the power of the sin nature. The sin nature was strong. It was raining, but grace is greater. The Holy Spirit is greater. That is why the Bible says greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. There's nothing greater than grace tonight. There's nothing more powerful than the Holy Spirit. So where the sin nature was in control and was raining, grace flooded your soul the day that you said yes to Jesus. It's amazing grace. It flooded your soul and it super exceeded all of the sin that was there. It didn't matter the charges that were brought up against you. Look at the thief on the cross hours before dying. Sin was stacked up against him. He was there because of the crimes that he had done but when he said remember me when he said remember me grace came in, washed him of all of that sin that was there and that's why Jesus Jesus could look at him and said, today you will be with me in paradise. That's grace, my friend. Grace that is so powerful that even a person that is laying on their deathbed, if they'll cry out to Jesus Christ from a broken heart and say, Lord, have mercy upon me. Grace will come in and save their soul. 
And we better believe that tonight because if what I'm saying is wrong, then none of us, none of us is going to have a chance. What I'm, You better hope that what I'm saying is right because if what I'm saying is not right, then there's not a one of us that's going to make it to heaven. It is only by his grace that you and I are going to enter into the kingdom of God. Do you hear me? It is not by our works. It doesn't matter who has done what. It doesn't matter how long you may have even lived for the Lord and done wonderful things and that's wonderful and that's great. But you're going to go in one way and one way only. And that is through the blood of the Lamb, through the blood of the slain Lamb of Jesus Christ. Amen. So many wonders, then why does the sin nature not go away when one gets saved? Why does the sin nature not go away? I got saved. I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. The divine nature came in. So why am I still bothered? Why is the sin nature still there? I will tell you, because if it wasn't there, then that means one would never die. We would never die. If the sin nature didn't exist, we would never die. We would continue to live in this old sinful, evil world. But the sin nature is there like that. But I'm thankful that one day we're going to get the full installment of our salvation. We only got just two-thirds. What is them two-thirds? We were set free from the power of sin. We were, we were saved from the penalty of sin, first of all. Then secondly of all, we were set free from the power of the sin nature. We, the penalty was taken away and the power of the sin nature was taken away. But one day and one day soon, we're going to be receiving the third installment, which is saved from the presence of the sin nature. You see, the, we're saved from the penalty of the sin nature. We're, we're saved from the presence, I mean, the power of the sin nature. But one day, you're going to be saved from the presence of the sin nature. When you go on to heaven and you receive that glorified body, and there's not going to be any more sin there. There's not going to be any more sickness. Nobody else is going to die from cancer. Nobody else is going to have diabetes. You're not never going to have any more enemies up there in heaven. You're not going to have another problem. There's not going to be another vaccine to walk. There's not going to be another storm to come through. You know why? Because Jesus Christ had what? There's no sin that is in heaven. It has been totally eradicated. It is a wonderful place that you and I are going to go one day and receive that glorified body. Amen? That glorified body. But let me tell you though, even though, and guess it is wonderful about heaven, right now we've got the first fruits of our salvation. We've got just the first fruits. We don't have it all, but one day we will. But right now with the first fruits of our salvation, that is more than enough to be able to live for Christ. That is more than enough to live a victorious life in Christ Jesus. It is more than enough to be able to have abundant life. Just the first fruits. Now let me tell you something. If the first fruits is this good, my God, what is it going to be one day when we receive it all? If you thought about that, right now, just we just got a the first fruits, or and what I like to think, just a tenth of what our salvation really encompasses. But it is more than enough to have a little bit of heaven here on earth. It is more than enough to be able to walk free from the dominion of sin. It is more than enough to be able to have an abundant life. We've got enough. We don't need anything else. What he's done for us is more than enough to have victory. Amen. It is more than enough to have abundant life. He said it in his word that I have come to give you life and and life more abundantly, abundant life, more than what you need to be able to live for me and to enjoy and receive the benefits of his finished work at Calvary. So though, so 
though even though sin did reign, which leads to death, now through faith in Christ and what he has done, grace can reign through righteousness. And how does that happen? How does grace reign? How can grace, the divine nature, the Holy Spirit, how can that reign in us? It is through righteousness. And that righteousness is through what Christ did at Calvary's cross, meaning the debt of sin has been paid and meaning that he is in total control now. See, grace does not exist or superabound just so that we can continue in sin. No, no, grace exists so that now we can live above the dominion of sin. That's why grace exists. That's why the divine nature is inside of you, so that you no longer have to be ruled by the powers of darkness, so that the sin nature don't no longer have to have control over you. But grace exists so that you can live free. That's why the Bible says that sin shall no longer have dominion over you. He's talking about the sin nature. The sin nature does not have to have dominion over the life of a born-again, blood-bought child of God. There's no reason why the sin nature should have control. There's no reason why the sin nature should be reigning. But the reason why a lot of times is because we don't understand. We don't understand what's took place. We don't understand about the sin nature. And that's why we're discussing this. That's why we're teaching on this. That sin nature that reigned in you was rendered powerless the day that you said yes to Jesus Christ. So let me tell you, right now, you can be free from whatever it is that's ailing you. Right now, whatever power of darkness that you, child of God that loves the Lord, may be hindering you, you can be free from that right now. You were already set free at Calvary. You were already set free from it at Calvary. But see, the devil don't want you to know this. The enemy don't want you to know about this. See, this is the message of the cross. This is Christ and him crucified. This is what it, this means, that we've got a benefit package like no other kind of benefit package you have ever known before. And let me tell you, he wants you to walk free. He wants you to be free from that bondage that's in your life. Let me tell you, it could be the bondage of fear. It could be the bondage of anxiety. It could be cigarettes. It could be alcohol. It could be jealousy. It could be temper. It could be losing control. It, it can be anything, a, a thousand things. But let me tell you, you can be free from that tonight by keeping your faith in Christ and what he has done, which will give the Holy Spirit the latitude to see that you get the victory and you walk in victory. But see, you got to give it to him. You got to give it to him. You got to lay it down at the foot of the cross where it was taken control of, where it was defeated. You see, every bondage in our life that we may have has already been defeated. It's already been defeated. Well, you're saying, well, then Wayne, why am I having a problem with it if it's already been defeated? It's because our faith is not totally anchored in Christ and what he's done. But if we will look to him and what he has done, if we will look to him and what he has done for us at Calvary's cross, then we will, we will be able to be partakers, if you will. We are partakers and we will realize that and the Holy Spirit will bring to us the victory that has been won for us at Calvary. He did it all. Amen. That's why that old song in the red back hymn, victory in Jesus, victory in Jesus. Your victory is in Jesus. Your victory is not in yourself. Your victory is not in your words. Your victory is not in anything that you can do. Your victory is in the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so grace comes and operates in one's way and, and one way and one way only in the life of a believer. And it is by faith. It's not by law. 
victory and it can come. Grace can operate in your life one way and one way only, and that is by faith. Amen. So the same nature that once pumped out, and I'm about out of time, the same nature that once pumped out acts of sin in your life is gone since being saved, and now there's a new nature, the divine nature, and guess what? He's pumping out. He's pumping out grace to bring you victory over sin, to maintain victory over sin. The sin nature before was pumping out sin, pumping out sin. That factory was gone and it wasn't shut down. But when Jesus Christ came in, it shut that victory down. And now the divine nature is pumping out his grace now. Grace is being pumped out to do what? To give you victory over sin. My God, that's good tonight. The grace of God now is being pumped out in your life to give you victory over sin. And Calvary is what brought it about, and Calvary is what keeps it flowing. It's just like a fire. You've got to put wood in that fire for it to continue to burn, for that fire to continue to go. If you want grace to continue to operate in your life so that you can receive the benefits, so that you can walk in victory, all you've got to do is keep feeding the fire. Well, how do you feed the fire? By keeping your faith in Christ and what he's done every single day. Lord, I know in what you've done for me. I believe that you did it all for me. Lord, I can't do it. I can't do anything, but you can. So come and help me. And guess what? Upon the cry of help, you will receive the help that you need. You see, he wants to help you. He wants to work in your life. He wants to see to it that you walk in victory. But the way that we, he is able to do it is by keeping your faith in Christ and what he's done. You see, your willpower is not never enough to overcome sin. Your willpower will never be enough to ever overcome sin. That's why we've got to have a higher power. And like I said before, that's the Holy Ghost power, that power that flows through what Jesus Christ did. And in order for you to receive that power, all you got to do is look to him and what he's done. Amen. Let me tell you something. We're running out of time tonight. I wasn't able to get through it, but of course, that's okay. We can take our time with it. We're going to pick up again with probably verse 21 next week and go on into Romans chapter 6. And this is a, a, a wonderful question. Uh, well, a question rather that is because of what Paul said in verse 20 and verse 21. Verse 1 of chapter 6 says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And we're going to tackle these questions. We're going to tackle this next week, God willing. And uh, I'll just look forward to it. We thank each and every one of you for joining in with us tonight. I pray to God. Uh, I know that sometimes I can stumble. I know that sometimes uh, I can stutter over my words, but that's why we need the anointing so that you will hear what maybe I don't hear. But I pray and hope that something has been said tonight that has been a tremendous blessing to you. I pray that you have learned, that you have grown in grace and in knowledge through the teaching and the preaching of his word. Amen. Again, continue to be in prayer for us. Uh, join us Sunday morning uh, for our live service at 1030 a.m. Uh, some of you I've reached out to and you know who you are. Again, be with us uh, at 1030 a.m. You don't want to miss this service. And again, on Sunday evening at 6 p.m. We love each and every single one of you. I'm seeing comments. Rhonda, we love you and John tonight. We miss you tremendously. Uh, there's a whole bunch of other names on here, and I don't want to call out anymore. But the reason why I call out Rhonda is because we used to go to church with her, but they moved off. But nevertheless, we love each and every one of you that have joined with us tonight. I pray that God's richest blessings be upon you. If you need anything at all, do not hesitate 
hesitate to reach out to us. We are here for you. We're continuously praying for you. But until then, we will see you then, Lord willing, on Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. Be blessed and we love you.